a Podcast One production. Take it away, my dulcet-toned Adonis. <laughs> I think I figured out why I always miss my cue. On why? I expect to hear the music. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. they put that in later. <laughs> Haven't you noticed? Well, what episode are we up to? Yeah, comes we don't in get that post. in. What even is the music? Wait. I don't know. We definitely listen. <laughs> okay, take it away. Take it away. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Just the Gist, a weeklyish podcast where Rosie Waterland and I, Jacob Stanley, give you just the gist of what you need to know about a story that we think is worth sharing at a dinner party mm. in the near or distant future. Um, as mentioned, I'm Jacob Stanley <laughs> and this is Rosie Waterland. <laughs> and we're going to go ahead and get started. <laughs> that was smooth. Wasn't that it? That was super smooth. <laughs> I saw the look of panic in your eyes when you realised you'd started up. a sentence but you didn't know yeah. what the rest was. Correct. So would you like me to take over? Did I? I uh, saved that. I smoothed that girls, out. Yeah. So All right. Rosie Waterland's <laughs> telling us his story this week. Um, I'm going to be telling all of y'all about Mary Kay Latorno and Vili Falau. Um. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably the most famous. Famous. <laughs> we are both off to a flying start. <laughs> probably the most famous case of child molestation in history. Uh, Mary Kay Latorno was a 35-year-old teacher who had an affair with her 12-year-old student. Oh. He was in year six. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh. yeah, they've, uh, it's always sat really ickly with me. They've since gone on to get married, mm-hmm. but, you know, it, it, the whole thing's dodgy and it happened in the 90s and there was this attitude of, well, it's different because she's a lady and he's a boy. Mm. Like, And people were like, if it was a man and that was a little girl, everyone would be up in arms and everyone mm. was like, but she's a lady. And he's a stud. Yeah, mm. so it was, it was a crazy case that I remember seeing when I was little and um, pulled that together for you this week. So, yeah. Okay. But first, yeah. uh, shall we do... <gasps> Breaking news, breaking news. I got the scoop. I see x ray, x ray. Read all about it. Breaking news. Do, 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 do. Um, well, we'll do a very quick breaking news this week because, as promised, we're going to do a little breaking news on Jacob William Stanley yourself. Oh. A lot of people are very curious about you, they've got a lot of questions. I was surprised. Yes. Yeah. Um, mm. When I put the call out um, yesterday for questions about you, we got, how many did we, there's probably like 30 emails in there mm-hmm. from people, plus people sent me messages and all kinds of things. They've mm. been um, wondering about you for a while. A lot more interest than I expected. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you are, as we've been told, a podcast icon. <laughs> so um, there's just a couple quick little uh, things that I think are the most breaking news in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, uh, a podcast out by two girls that I mentioned last week, uh, Nakia Louie and Miranda Tapsell are two Aboriginal women. Um, you probably know Miranda Tapsell, uh, has been on like heaps of Australian TV, Mm -hmm. Love Child, I think she was on Dr. Doctor, um, her and, um, Nakia did an amazing episode of the catering show. She's just like, and she had a movie out last year called, um, Top... And wedding, mm. and she's cool. She's the best. Mm. And then Nikia Louie's like a famous playwright and actress, and she um, 
has been on the sketch comedy show Black Comedy for the last few years. And mm. anyway, they have a podcast called Pretty for an Aboriginal in mm-hmm. which they talk about how people always say, oh, my God, you're so pretty for an Aboriginal. And they talk about race mm. issues and stuff. Mm-hmm. But they had a podcast come out this week called Debutante, Race, Resistance and Girl Power. And it is all about, and I had no idea this was a thing, that debutante balls have been huge in Aboriginal communities since, like, the 50s. Oh. Yeah. Huh. It's like a and it's a huge rite of passage for a yeah. lot of these girls and um they've gone uh Nakia and Miranda sort of traveled to the US to look at like traditional debutante culture and they went to England and they've talked to a whole bunch of people traveled all around Australia talked to these girls and why the debutante tradition is important to them and I started listening to it yesterday it's really amazing. Wow. It's on Audible and if you get the free trial you can listen to it for free. Um, yeah, Debutante by Nakia Louie and Miranda Tapsell. Excellent record. Thank you. Totally something that I didn't think was a thing. No. <laughs> yeah. Do they do the white frocks? And yeah. Everything? The, the whole, proper wow. debutante thing. Uh-huh. The other thing I think is funny that I had about 20 people this week message me to say, Rosie, Rosie, there's a Titanic documentary on SBS right now. Are you watching? Are you watching? I was like, uh, of course I know. <laughs> Of course I know there's a Titanic documentary on SBS right now. So I love that people know my personal brand so much that they tell me that. And people also always keep sending me, like when they find really cool vintage Polly Pockets for sale on eBay, they send me the link. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, lol, I've already got it. <laughs> Why do you think I'm 34 and I'm um, still renting? <laughs> um, and my favorite other thing this week is... Um, this girl on Twitter was like, oh, my God, guys, it was two in the morning and I was up scrolling through TikTok, which is that, like, app for the youngins, mm. for the youth, mm. for the youths that I don't understand. Mm-hmm. My niece, Alira, tried to teach me about it and, I, yeah, I don't get it. So I do have a TikTok floating around out there with, like, two videos on it that I set up with my niece, like, two months ago. Uh-huh. And I think she just tricked me into saying some dumb shit and, <laughs> and then I didn't really get it. But anyway, um, so this girl was on Twitter. She's like, guys, I just went on Twitter at like 2 a.m. Um, on TikTok at 2 a.m. because I couldn't sleep. And I came across a whole like theme of videos where Gen Z kids just talk about how lame millennials are. It's <laughs> <laughs> like we're getting to the age where the gen below us think we're lame. Oh, and so boomers. Yeah, so Gen Z, it's like what we think of boomers. Yeah. And so Gen Z is what? I think it's anyone who is like up to about the age of 19, 18 now or 19 now. So born after 2000. After 2000. Because okay. Alira was born in 2002. Right. Yeah, and so <laughs> the stuff that they were writing, it is like you got to pay your respect to the youth because mm. they have us pinned down. Uh They get us big time. So there was stuff like, okay, this is what Gen Z thinks of Gen Y, that they're writing (laughs) secretly on TikTok and they don't think we know, but we found it. (laughs) We cracked the app. Look at this. They're like, ah, I hate adulting. Just give me a slice of pizza and some wine. (laughs) Like, sis, Rebecca, you are 32 and an alcoholic. Please sit down. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) But doesn't that hit you right in the heart? That is... Me. Okay, listen to this. All they do is drink wine, post cringy 90s kids memes, and put up signs that say live, laugh, love. (laughs) (laughs) Accurate. (laughs) Okay. They be, wait, they be 34 and talking like, I'm a Hufflepuff. Like, grow up and do a line of Coke already. (laughs) 
<laughs> Wait, there's a lot of Harry Potter ones. Listen, no one. Millennials. I'm such a Hufflepuff. Red face emoji. <laughs> and then all you do is take quizzes about what Harry Potter house you're in, but you're all renting one bedrooms, one bedroom apartments. Y'all are worried about the wrong houses. <laughs> This cuts deep. No, I'm kidding. And then my favourite one. All they do is say doggo and BuzzFeed quizzes about their favourite wine. <laughs> <laughs> These kids are brutal. They are brutal, but so spot on. <laughs> we are the boomers. We, we have transitioned. We are the boomers now. And the circle of life goes round and round. The circle of life goes round and round. Wow. I know. So where can we find that if we want to read more? Um, I'll... Post a link to the Twitter. I mean, it's hard it, because that is such a millennial question to ask. You can't just go and look at a page of stuff. Like, it's on TikTok. It's a whole thing. Like, that just, that was the most millennial question. Yeah. You can't just go find it. Did you have Snapchat before it died? Um, yeah, but only to look at, to like sneak on Alira's stuff. Uh-huh. Not because I actually used it. Mm-hmm. My younger cousin tried to teach me how to use that yeah. and I was already just past the age it's bracket. It's like I have TikTok now just so I can go look at Muhammad and Alira's stuff. Although Alira doesn't accept me as Muhammad a Muhammad has one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Muhammad loves his TikTok. He does funny little videos. Cause it, but it actually is a really great way for kids to be creative. Like mm. kids are creating amazing stuff on there. And I love how boomers get so mad at us when we're mean to them. Mm. They're like, oh, Gen Y is the worst. But when Gen Z are mean to us, we're just like, keep it up, fam. That's so funny. Yeah. You guys are the best. You're the future. <laughs> we deserve it. Like, <laughs> it's so good. Say more. Say, say more. Say more. Yeah. <laughs> Cut us down, <laughs> you brutal little freaks. You I got love our it. number. All right. I have two questions, though. Yes. Because you went to a very fancy private school. I'm mm. curious to know whether you yourself did a debutante ball. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't know if that was a thing... I mean, let me just preface that by saying I spent my whole life in public schools, mm-hmm. <laughs> like really shitty, shitty, shitty public schools. Mm-hmm. Then my uncle paid for me to go to this fancy school for my last three years of school, and I was very out of place. And if there were debutante balls, I didn't know about them, and I doubt I would have been invited. Right. They did have things like daddy-daughter daddy daughter dances, mm-hmm. and me and my uncle were like, nah, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just wouldn't go to that stuff. Um, no, I don't think they had anything like that. <laughs> okay, and then my other question about the Titanic documentary. Yeah. When you saw it, did you spot any inaccuracies? Oh, I didn't like to need to watch them? it because, like, I could – they probably need to come to me for information. I mean, a lot of people were messaging me like, did you see in the documentary about the fire burning in the hull? And I was like, yes, I know about the fire, and the fire has nothing to do with anything – and if that documentary was saying that the fire had something to do with the ship sinking, then it's an inaccurate documentary. I could give you plenty of books to read about this, but just suffice to say, I know about fire. Okay. <laughs> right? <laughs> my mum says I really need to go on um, Celebrity Mastermind and my topic is Titanic and I would win. I, you know, It's a show on ABC uh-huh. where, like, you have a topic that you know a lot about mm. and they quiz you on it and like, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, do that. I could win it. Uh-huh. 
I'm clearly stalling because I'm not ready to talk about myself yet and answer <laughs> yeah, people's you questions. You never asked me this many questions in breaking news. Oh, yeah, you just reminded me. So oh. here's our, um, wait, I've got to come up with a theme song for an interview. Um, what would it be like um, sort of midday with Carrie ann midday with Bert Newton, having someone on to chat? And here we have, for the first time, Jacob Stanley. And you walk out on stage. Welcome, Jacob. Welcome to the couch. It's deeply, deeply uncomfortable to be here. Okay, look. But thanks for having me anyway. Freaking questions. A lot of people just basically want to know a lot of things about you. I've got a lot of questions. Um, a lot of them were repeat questions. Mm. Um, so I sort of just summarized them down to the main ones. But I will say thank you, everybody, for writing in. Mm-hmm. It definitely proved to me that Jacob is the more popular of the two of us. <laughs> so I've been dealing with that for a few days. <laughs> um, okay. So the big one is they all want to know how we met. Uh-huh. Would you like to take this one? Um, I'll get it started. I'm sure you'll flesh out some details along the way. But we both enrolled in an off-brand drama school (laughs) um, after each of us had a failed attempt at Standard University. We decided that we wanted to become performers. And so we got ourselves a position at the illustrious Australian Academy of Dramatic Art. Mm -hmm. And of course, we met on the very first day and I think we were instantly attracted to each other because we were both um, incredibly camp Mm -hmm. and both wanted to assert ourselves as um, dominant personalities (laughs) in a group of flamboyant characters. Um, the thing that I remember most about you from the first day that always jumps straight to my ears. I know what you're going to say. had decided that she was going to um, experiment with fake tan. Everyone was doing this at the time, (laughs) by the way. (laughs) But only on her legs, Mm. um, which meant that they were about 17 shades darker. And when I say darker, I mean more deep burnt orange Orange. um, than the rest of Mm. her body. Um, and she was wearing some very cute little shorty I had shorts. Little black shorty shorts, and I had um, some layered singlets, which was the style at the time. So I had a thick coloured singlet, and then over the top, I had a fluoro yellow one teaspoon singlet, which was like the coolest thing I owned at the time. Mm. Yeah. And one of those oversized belts that just yes, hangs one around of those your hips. oversized belts that that like had heaps of studs and a big buckle on it, and just mm-hmm. sort of this was two thousand five. Yeah. <laughs> so to explain myself. And, and my, then a pair of Javianas. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Obviously. But with the thin lady straps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sure I was wearing something equally as heinous, but yeah. I don't remember that. You um, were very Senny Coast back then. Yeah. Very, very <laughs> Senny Coast. And proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we met then and yeah. we just, we were put into the same class and... We always wanted to partner up with each other because <coughs> we were the best. And um, we were good at improving together and we just got each other's humour and mm. just became besties. We and did. then it was drama school. You left drama school. Mm. I did as well. Um, and then a couple of years later, we were both walking down the street in Sydney and we bumped into each other. 
and we got talking and you were like, oh my God, I just signed up to study um, writing and cultural studies at UTS. And I said, shut the front door immediately. I just signed up to do that exact same course. And we were like, what? Total coincidence. Total coincidence. And then we were back studying nonsense together. Yeah. Another three years of just fucking around. (laughs) (laughs) So six years of studying nonsense is how we met. And we've been friends ever since. That's how we became qualified to do what we do now. Yeah, Mm. that's how we became qualified to do that. So drama school is the answer, which Mm -hmm. Jacob doesn't like to admit because he doesn't like anyone to know that he went to drama school. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, okay. A lot of people have also asking, I think they've picked up from things that we've said that up until recently, you were living in Melbourne and Mm -hmm. working in a very fancy job. Mm -hmm. And now you are not. Was there a scandal? Explain yourself. I was not me too No, um, I worked for a really fantastic cosmetics company for more than 11 years. Mm-hmm. And they were the reason that I moved down to Melbourne and lived there for six years. And it was a fantastic role where I, I wouldn't necessarily call it fancy, but it definitely was fun. I got to travel all around the globe and meet with some incredible people who were just fascinating. And it was brilliant. It was just um, time for me to leave Melbourne mm. and also time for me to fulfill a lifelong dream of mine, which was to go on an extended trip around the world, starting in South America and then working my way around from there. Um, so that's <laughs> what my plan for 2020 <laughs> was, that I would be taking off. Um, and so you you gave up your apartment in Melbourne, so yeah. you gave up your lease, you Gave away most of your stuff, mm-hmm. the stuff you wanted to keep, you put into storage. Mm-hmm. So you were pretty much sleeping on my couch, sleeping on your mum's couch for a few weeks mm-hmm. until you got yourself together to go on your trip. And then... <laughs> this little pandemic happened. You might have heard about it. <laughs> COVID-19. Um, and so that then changed my plans quite drastically. Mm. This is the thing. Life gets in the way. But... I mean, you know that secretly I'm thrilled. Yeah. I'm devo for you because <laughs> I know, I know you were excited about the trip, but mm-hmm. I was sad about the trip because you were going to be gone and also it was going to be difficult for us to do just the gist. Like we were going to keep doing it, but mm-hmm. you were going to be on a microphone sitting in a hammock Jungle. somewhere. Yeah, yeah and <laughs> we were concerned about the logistics of that and and now I'm like, hooray! <laughs> I mean, oh, sorry. <laughs> And every time I hear on the news, ScoMo's like, no international travel till 2023. I'm like, oh. Is that the latest? Nothing till 2023. Sorry. (laughs) That's what I heard. I don't know. Wow. But in the meantime, because a lot of people have been messaging through saying like, um, Jacob was talking about traveling and is he going to keep being the host? And well... For now, mm-hmm. hooray! <laughs> yes, because I want us to start doing some live shows, which yeah. we'll be able to do now because you're here, yeah. which we wouldn't have been able to do. And um, yeah, so I'm pumped, even though your life was ruined. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm definitely at peace with it. But it was definitely to all of our benefit. Oh, good. Um, cool. Um, so what else? Oh. Because you are an expert in skincare, makeup, et cetera, from mm. your time at this fancy company and working with the fancy people. Let me tell you what he did, by the way. So Jacob was like the boss of education at this mm. company, right? The, mm. the executive in charge of education. <laughs> Wasn't my official title, but there it is. Yes, yeah. there you go. And so Jacob's job, this makeup 
company imports all the fanciest products from all over the world and sells them exclusively in Australia. So Jacob's job was to fly all over the world and meet the owners and makers and founders of those makeup companies and skincare companies and be like, hey, what's up? Um, And they'd be like, here's our new products. And Jacob would be like, awesome, let's have dinner. And so Jacob basically had relationships with all the fanciest makeup and skincare people in the world. And then you would come back to Australia and come up with all the programs to teach all the staff how to use and be experts in the products. Is that what you did? Yeah, yeah, with the help of a really fantastic team. Obviously. Of yes. But what I'm saying is this basically means your brain is an, encyc- is an encyclopedia of skincare and makeup and fragrance and all that stuff. Um, yeah, a lot of it is still definitely cached away yes. in there. And that is why I had no room for things like news and current events <laughs> and pop culture because all of my attention had to be devoted to skincare ingredients and makeup trends. Okay, this is um, my favourite question that came through that made me laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. Someone sent through a message, I think it was on my Instagram, they said, you know in that, um, like in that Friends episode where they all ask each other this, have you and Jacob ever almost? (laughs) I was like, what show have you been listening to? (laughs) What sexual tension are they picking up on? Because (laughs) (laughs) I don't hear it. Um, The answer is no, because Jacob is horrified by vaginas. (laughs) Um, So no, yes. The closest we got was when one time we went skinny dipping in the ocean somewhere in the eastern suburbs. Oh, that's right. And I gave you a piggyback and... My pubes (laughs) rubbed up against your back, which was not a sexual experience for either of us. (laughs) But it was educational for me. (laughs) Yeah, well, Jacob was like, oh, that's what they feel like when there's not a dangly bit. Um, No, Jacob is a proud gay man and is not interested in anything I am Mm -hmm. offering. I believe I'm a platinum gay. What does that mean? It means you're a cesarean baby who then has never touched a vagina vagina. apart from like the back of my shoulders accidentally with you. So you've literally never been in any contact with a vagina because you're a cesarean baby. And I have, did I, have I ruined your platinum status? Someone's going to have to write in and tell us the answer <laughs> yeah. to that. I don't make the rules. Um, but you're a gold star if you're a natural birth and platinum ah, if you're a cesarean. You're platinum. Mm. Look at you go. <laughs> Velocity go. frequent flyer and vaginas. <laughs> That's the two places where I've got platinum status. Oh, do you often get mistaken for Chris Brown? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Jacob is very handsome. And it's funny to me that the more I put up photos of him, people are like, whoa, he's way better looking than what I saw. <laughs> she chooses really bad photos as well. Well, can sorry. I well, because it's not great lighting <laughs> and like video in here. Like, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, um, yes, I do. And I didn't know who Chris Brown was the only Chris Brown that I was aware of was the Chris Brown who had an incident with Rihanna. (laughs) And it wasn't all that long after the incident with Rihanna that someone came up to me in an airport and said, excuse me, are you Chris Brown? (laughs) (laughs) And she had her phone at the ready like she was expecting me to take a photo with her. And I'm like, oh, um. (laughs) He's a sexy vet. I don't see any neck tats on me, (laughs) so I don't know how you got us mixed up. But, yeah, then she clarified the Bondi vet. Yeah, Yeah. the sexy vet Mm -hmm. who looks like the Bonds 
model, sketch model, cartoon model man. <laughs> I don't see it myself, but yes, strangers do ask me. I I never thought of it, but when people started pointing it out, I was like, oh yeah. Mm. I mean, it's not, it's, he's a, he's basically known for being handsome. Mm. So it's a nice comparison. I'll take it. Yeah. yeah. I'll be getting it less now that I've just grown my hair out to this ridiculous mop. Well, see, the thing I always get is because I'm like a chubby girl, I always get, oh my God, you look so much like Adele. And then they'll go, you look so much like Rebel Wilson. Or, <laughs> and they're just like two people who look completely different. Like the one thing the three of us have in common is that we're all like bigger. So <laughs> they just, you know, they'll just, they'd be like, oh my God, you look so much like Retta. Like they just compare <laughs> me to any fat woman. I'm like, I don't know if I do. <laughs> so they're the ones I always get. Oh, and the last question quickly, because we should mm. probably move on. This is like, people come for a story and we've like made it all about us. This is just the gist, <laughs> us. <laughs> Narcissism much? If we knew this was going to happen in our first couple of weeks of drama school, we would have been chuffed. I know. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm Lol, squirming. let's just talk about adulting and wine and doggos. <laughs> <laughs> Um, people just, oh, I guess I could even answer this one. You've been talking too much. Um, <laughs> you know, someone said <laughs> these two girls commented on the Instagram, like one tagged her friend and she was like, um, oh, have you listened to this one this week? And she's like, no, not yet. And so then her friend said, oh, okay, well, I can give you just the gist. It'll be like Rosie, one long monologue where her friend says a few valid points at the end. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's accurate. <laughs> Which, no, but I will say that's why you've noticed things have started changing and Jacob's doing, we're sort of alternating weekly now mm. because when I asked Jacob to do this podcast, it's when he still had a very important full-time job. Mm. And so I said, look, I know you don't have time. I don't want it to be much work for you. So how about I just do all the work? Mm. I tell a story. All you have to do is turn up, have a beer and listen mm -hmm. and chat. Mm -hmm. So that way you don't have to do any work. Because despite giving just the gist, a lot of research goes into each. It's like a lot of work goes into each episode. And um, so we were happy with that dynamic, which I think people thought was just because of my rampant narcissism. But it was actually because you were working a real job. Um, and then when your job changed and now that it looks like you're going to be stuck here for a couple of years, I was like, F yeah, let's make it even. One each. <laughs> make him work for that. Make money. him work for it. So um yeah, now we've decided to just sort of go now that Jacob isn't working full time, has time to, you know, do it, and he was like, There's nothing else in my life, please let's <laughs> concentrate on this. I need a reason to live. Yes. Um <laughs> so now we've decided to do one week each, and that's yeah. what we're doing now. Yeah. For the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's I think that's all the questions. That's all. Oh, That's it. Okay, that wasn't too bad. That wasn't that too wasn't bad. Too you hard. feel okay? Yeah. Jacob you, was everyone. really nervous Thank about you. that, by yeah. the way. <laughs> like, he was really nervous about it. I don't know why. Uh, Says I, the girl who has naked photos that she put on the internet <laughs> herself. I'm like, why are you nervous about revealing things about yourself? I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> Says the girl who wrote two memoirs before she was yeah. 30. Like, <laughs> why don't you want to talk about you? <laughs> Okay. We got through that. Okay, we got Yay. through that. Mary Kay Latorno was born uh, in 1962 to a very wealthy conservative family. Her dad was a senator, conservative senator, and her mom was um, a stay-at-home mother but also a conservative, like, talking head in the media. So she would kind of go on, like, Sunrise, the way, like, 
Prue McSween does now, or Carrie Ann Kennelly, like to give her opinion about Captain Cook's statue getting pulled down. Like that's mm. what Mary Kay's mum would do. No expertise, just a lot of opinions. Yes. And there was this show back then, uh, I forget what it was called, but it was kind of like where each week they would put uh, like people from the left and progressive people and people from the right, conservative people, kind of like Q&A, I guess. Mm. Um, and they would, you know, debate certain topics. And she was often on the show with Gloria Steinem. Oh. So Gloria Steinem would be arguing for, you know, the Equal Rights Amendment and Mary Kay's mum would be like, no, I don't like it. Like, you know, and Gloria Steinem would be like, pro-abortion, and she'd be like, police women's bodies. So that was, you know, her parents. Uh-huh. Um, so that's sort of the environment she was raised in. Mary Kay was very pretty, very popular, um, very just quintessential American girl, blonde, thin. They grew up around... Um, uh, the OC, um, Orange County, uh-huh. so there's always at the beach and yeah. that whole thing. Um, apparently she cared more about sort of like boys and friends and the beach than school because she'd been raised that girls don't really need to be educated. To They don't need to worry about going on to be the breadwinner or achieving anything huge career-wise. Yeah. Yep. When she was about 16, as with all conservative men who want to police women's bodies under the guise of family values, it was revealed her dad had a secret second family. <laughs> so he had a mistress he'd been seeing for years. That mistress had had children with him. It was this huge scandal. It kind of tore the fabric of her family apart. Uh-huh. Um, her parents separated for a while but eventually ended up getting back together because that's, you know, keep the family unit together at all costs, keep mm. the marriage together at all costs. Healthy. Mary Kay went to college. Um, she was super into this guy that she thought would propose, but then quite suddenly he dumped her. Um, and then sort of, I guess, in on the rebound, um, started dating this guy called Steve Latorno, mm-hmm. who she went on to marry because obviously mm-hmm. it's her last name. Um, and she gets pregnant to him pretty quickly and her family, who were super conservative, are like, you have to marry him mm-hmm. and have this baby. So that's in 1984. She gets married when she's 22 and she's like a few months pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, they moved to Seattle for his work. So he, and it's pretty like blue collar stuff. He worked as a baggage handler for an airline mm-hmm. and she finished studying at Seattle University um, with a degree in teaching and she starts teaching at Shorewood Elementary School mm-hmm. as a, like a primary school teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, she's also popping out babies left, right and center. So they end up having four kids mm-hmm. in this time when she's studying and starting teaching. Apparently their marriage is really unhappy. Mm-hmm. That's what she said later. Because she didn't love him. She's like, I had to marry him. My parents made me. Mm-hmm. Um, so she first teaches Vili Falau, and this is so gross, when he's seven. So she's his teacher when he's in year two and mm-hmm. he's seven. Um, she takes a big interest in him at the time because he's really talented artistically and apparently she was like the cool teacher who only does art stuff. Mm-hmm. You know that cool teacher in primary school who like everyone wants to get them because you just colour in all day and watch mm-hmm. videos and mm-hmm. all the other kids are doing maths and you can hear them like having a party. Mm-hmm. There was always that one teacher. The so type who makes their own jewellery. Yes, yes, that was her. So mm-hmm. all the kids wanted her, but um, apparently the kids barely learn anything. Like it's just colouring in and chaos. Like there was this example where they decided to get a class pet once. So she brings in a cat but then she just lost interest in the cat. And a month later, there wasn't a cat anymore. And no one really knew what happened to the cat. Mm. But then also there was a kitty litter tray filled with like, like fossilized 
shit that just sat in her classroom for two years because she just is that disorganised and doesn't really clean up. And, like, people said she just had this way of compartmentalising things. Like, mm. there's all that mess in a kitty litter tray, but here's fun and colouring in. Uh-huh. And so she was that kind of right. mindset. Uh-huh. Yeah. So when she starts teaching Year 6 a few years later, so she goes from teaching Year 2 to teaching Year 6, Um, The kids are a couple years older and she prefers year six because she can have a bit more of a relationship with the kids. Mm. But it starts getting to the point where the the relationship she has with all the kids is kind of inappropriate. Not sexually, but like friendship wise. Like Mm. she blurs the lines between being a teacher and being a friend. So she would spend a lot of time at school out of hours when like she said it was because she didn't want to go home because her marriage was so terrible. Mm. Um, And... She had what people called like her special group of students that she liked best. So she would get them all to hang out with her doing special projects after school. Mm. And she had even in the classroom, all the desks were in little clusters. You know how classrooms are set up like that? Like mm. you have four desks in a, and she would have her special group of kids in a cluster connected to her desk. Mm-hmm. And then all the other kids were in other and so that was her special group. And those were the kids who she got to like stay back with her till sometimes like 10 o'clock at night, like, you know, working on making a banner for the talent show or like, uh-huh. yeah. So and the parents were okay with well, this. Well, apparently the parents were okay with it because it was like, oh my gosh, wow. Like this teacher's taking such a special interest in our kids. And like, you know, they were doing school stuff mm. apparently, but the kids in that special group later said that like it was they felt like she was their best friend they they felt like she was their best friend because she would talk to them about things like how terrible her marriage was how unhappy she was at home how she was thinking of getting a divorce she'd talk to them about other students in the class like they said it was like she was our friend like we were friends Uh, so anyway 11 year olds yes sixth graders 11 12 yeah. yeah so one of the kids in her sixth grade special group uh, was Vili Falau. So he was now 12 mm-hmm. and she was 35. Um, and the other kids in the special group, there was about five of them in this special group, mm-hmm. noticed that they seemed close. And they even said later that, like, they thought it was really sweet. They thought they seemed like boyfriend and girlfriend maybe. Like, they'd never seen anything mm. happen between them, but they were just like, ooh, Vili and... Um, and they called her Mary. V- Vili and Mary really like each other. Like they might end up getting married one day. Mm-hmm. Like to them, she had morphed into their peer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'll tell this you now. So yeah, it's up. so messed up. And that's why it makes me so angry that people treat it like a love story. Yeah. Like it's, anyway. I'll tell you what happened now from the outside and then I'll go back and tell you what they said about how, what was going on on the inside. Okay. They call it their relationship. I call it abuse. Mm-hmm. But. Vili started spending a lot of time at the Latorno house. So she said that she was mentoring him because he was really good at art by this stage. She'd been interested in his talent since he was, she taught him when he was seven. Um, Vili's mum had like seven kids and was a single mum and was working her ass off trying to support them all. So she was just like, yes, oh my gosh, this lovely teacher with a beautiful family has taken an interest in him. Fantastic. Good. Mm. And this is what's so gross. So she would set up playdates and sleepovers between Vili and her son because they were the same age. But her kids went to a different school, like a Catholic school or something. Oof. 
And so she would set up all these. So Vili was like coming and staying over mm. and it, and people in the community were like, it's really lovely. Her and Steve, her husband, have taken mm. him on as one of their own. Like he comes from this troubled home and he doesn't get a lot of attention. And how nice is that? And so um, like she would take him on trips to see museums in other mm. cities and art galleries. Apparently there was this big family meetup with Steve's family and she brought Vili along. And while the whole family was having this reunion lunch or whatever, her and Vili went for a drive and were gone for like six hours. And everyone was like, that's weird. And Steve was like, no, she just, you know, she's taking an interest in him. She's taking, you know, he's a troubled kid. And mm. and then this is weird. People noticed there was a year six graduation dance when all the kids finished year six. Mm. And she did a, a like a slow dance with him, like a chaste one, just mm-hmm. hands on shoulders. And it was very like, oh, his teacher's dance. But then she wouldn't dance with any of the other boys, because a bunch of other boys were like, oh, can I dance with you, Miss Latorna? And she was Mm -hmm. like, no. And then when Vili was dancing with other girls, apparently she got really upset and jealous and stormed out of the hall. And people were like, what is that about? Wow. And then one night, so he wasn't in her class anymore. She Mm -hmm. was teaching a new class. He'd gone on to, they call it middle school in America, year seven. Mm Police came across a car in a car park and they could see two people in there were quite clearly getting it on, like mm-hmm. either making out or more. They could, but they could see that there was action happening in the car. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, they figured it was teenagers. They were going to go over and tell them to move on. But when they flashed their lights at the car and start heading towards it, they could see a woman jump into the front seat and then they could see whoever she was with jump into the back seat, cover his head with a blanket. <laughs> and when they got over there, um, the whoever was under the blanket was pretending to be asleep. Mm-hmm. And she was, um, they could see that she was an older woman, not a teenager. Mm. And so then they're like, can you get out of the car? And she's sort of panicking. And they, they said like, look, we know you're awake, whoever you are. Like, and so he pulls the blanket off and they're shocked to see it was a, a little boy. Mm. And they were like, what? And it was Mary Kay Latorno and Billy Flower. Mm-hmm. Mary said he was 18, but he clearly wasn't. Like he was... 12. He was 12 and he was, like, he had hit puberty, Mm. but he was clearly still a child. Like, he looked about 12, 13, Mm. I think. Um, And then, but then she was like, oh, I don't know, he doesn't, uh, um," and then she's like, he's 15. And then she's like, look, I'm his teacher and I'm babysitting him. And I had a fight with my husband. And so I thought it was best if we just left the house and slept in the car. And because I'm babysitting him, I didn't want to leave him in the house. And the police were like, and this just goes to show, like, in this current climate, how we're all talking about how white people are given the benefit of the doubt mm. in criminal situations that people of colour aren't. The police were like, oh, all right, look, let's just go to the police station and try and get a hold of his parents. Mm-hmm. So they go to the police station and while they're there, they call Vili Flower's mum and she's like, oh, no, that's okay. Like, she's his teacher. He does stay there all the time. It's fine. She's a mentor to him. And so the police are like, okay, bye, and just let them go. (laughs) Even though, but the two officers later said, we knew, but he was saying nothing happened. She was saying nothing happened. It couldn't just be like, oh, we saw movement in the cut. Like it was hard for them to, but they were like, the whole thing was a bit bleh. Things all come crashing down over the whole thing though when Mary Kay's husband finds a bunch of love letters between her and Billy. And he'd been feeling like something was off, but he just kept saying to himself, like, no, it's impossible. He's 12. Mm-hmm. Like, that couldn't possibly be happening. But then he found the letters. 
and he confronts Mary with the love letters and she admits to, again, she says the relationship, but I say the abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, but she um, tells Steve that they're in love and that she's pregnant mm. with Philly's baby. Um, Steve doesn't know what the F to do because he's like, this is F'd. I think I need to divorce it, but he doesn't want her to get arrested because mm. he's like, it's my children's mother and he he just doesn't know what to do. Yeah. I think he gets frozen in panic. Yeah. Um, so he quietly like tells her parents and all they do is call Mary and say, stop this nonsense. You have to keep that baby and say it's Steve's because it, conservative Christians, all that really matters is that the appearance of the family unit stays intact. So her parents are no help. Wow. Um, he doesn't know what to do then because he thought her parents would pull her into line. So he quietly tells some people in his family, he's like, I don't know what to do. And they all keep it quiet, but they, um, but they tell him just start divorce proceedings, like just get out of there. Mm. But then the gossip gradually starts spreading through his family until finally, finally, one of his like cousins or something with some sense the minute she hears it, calls the police because she's like, a boy is being abused. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so she was the first person of all of it to go, what is wrong with all of you? This is a crime. This is a crime. This isn't gossip and keeping up. Yes. And so this, some random cousin who heard the gossip was called the police straight away. So the police at the local station are like, she's the one we caught in the car that weird night. Mm. So this sounds like it's a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, they head over to the school where Mary, you know, is teaching a new lot of sixth graders um, because it's a new year. And um, she's pulled out of class and arrested on suspicion of statutory rape Mm -hmm. of a child. Mm. Um, She's taken in for questioning and so is Villy. And they both insist it's a consensual relationship. Mm -hmm. Like she apparently is just shocked and appalled that they're calling her a child molester. She's like, I'm no such thing. We're in love. We're getting married. He's really angry saying he's not a victim. They're in love. They're going to get married. They're having a baby together. And the police are just like, what the F? Like, and the thing is, yes, by this point, he's 13. He, I would say he probably looks maybe 15. Mm -hmm. He still looks like a kid, Mm -hmm. but he's certainly like developed. Mm -hmm. Um, But he still clearly looks like a young boy. Like he looks like a early teens. Mm -hmm. And they're like, even they're just like, well, even if he insists he's a willing participant, he's not in a position and he's not old enough to make that decision. Like that's why statutory rape is Mm -hmm. a charge that's available because sometimes kids have been so well groomed and that's what predators do and that's what she did. She groomed him and they seduce these kids because that, like the kids don't realise that they're being abused and so they won't admit to being abused. So that's why we have statutory rape as a charge so you can charge the person for doing it, whether the child says they've been abused or not. That's right. The person in power has to be the one that exactly. is responsible for making a decision. So she is charged that day with uh, rape of a child, sexual abuse of a child, um, and she's released on bail to wait for the trial. Um, it explodes in the news mm. um, because it's like local primary school teacher impregnated by 12-year-old sixth grade student, like they insist they're in love. At first, everybody uh, in the media keeps Villy's name private because that's what you're meant to do with um, underage victims of Mm. abuse or assault. Um, But then Villy comes forward with his mum and does a massive interview on NBC, like 
giving all the details, basically like not meaning to, but really incriminating her, mm. like saying, this is when we fell in love, this is what happened, blah, blah, blah. Um, they got paid for that. And mm. so I don't blame him or her because this is a family that lives on the poverty line mm. and, he, you know, he thinks he's in this romantic situation with, and it's like if someone says to you, do you want $50,000 to tell us your side of the story, that's more money than they've ever you know, of course you would say yes. Um, yeah, they'd grab for the cash. And also exactly. he thought that he was going to win over the public sentiment yes. and gain support. But the thing them. is he kind of did. Oh. Like, well, okay. He tells them what happened. And so this is what he tells them. And this is what was going on behind the scenes when I was telling you before about what was happening on the mm. outside. So they had started kissing on those late nights at the school together. Mm. Then, and this is so gross, they, um, there was... They say slept together for the first time. I say sexual abuse for the first time at her house when she had invited him over for a sleepover date with her son. Mm. So she organized these sleepovers so they could wait till everyone would go to bed and then they would go and secretly meet like in the TV room or the backyard or the Ugh. shed. Ugh. Yeah, it's disgusting. Mm. And then they would just uh, organize times to do that whenever they could. So that's why she would take him to those galleries and she... They, would, they couldn't check into a motel or anything because mm. that's weird. Mm. So they would just go and park the car somewhere and <laughs> abuse would happen. Um, he said he loved her. They were going to get married. He insisted he wasn't a victim. And um, that's like when it started to get weird because he did this interview, a lot of people were sort of, they were like, well, yeah, like, it was a big talking point in the news and a big sort of like debate point on on morning TV. Like, mm. well, he definitely looks bigger than boys his age. And, and you know, like, is it really the same when a woman does it with a boy as when a man does it with a girl? And, and like, he says he pursued her and look how lovely she seems. And this is when all the racial stuff came into it. Like, he's like Samoan. A lot of people saying like, look, she's just this tiny little white lady and he's this worldly, like, thug who knows like you know with street smarts and basically saying things that are dog whistles for like racist rhetoric mm. and people were saying things like you know boys are biologically wired differently like sexually they're ready to go earlier just all this people a lot of people were on their side like it it was it was a lot of people weren't but the interesting thing was it was an actual debate in the media. It wasn't just straight up, she is a, a child molester, she's abusing him, this is wrong. It was like, let's debate this. <laughs> Which is crazy. crazy. Every single one of the arguments that you just is put ridiculous. forward that they had used, it's so easy to shoot down. Yes, their bodies might develop. And he is an individual. His body might have developed early. That doesn't mean that his brain and his emotions have and yes, his ability exactly. to make the right choice has. Exactly. And she took advantage of that. Drives me crazy. So there's the trial and it's crazy level international news. Like mm. I remember it being on the cover of like Who magazine here when I was little because she was so pretty. Like she's really beautiful and just so like normal and mumsy looking. And she was super pregnant. Um, so she had this big belly and she mm. was wearing all these cute like smock dresses that made her look just really cutesy and innocent. And mm. I remember seeing it on the news and seeing it in magazines and it was such a foreign concept because I think I would have been like seven or eight when I was seeing people talk about it. Mm. And I was like, but how does, like, to me, I was like, how does a late, how does a grown-up do that with a 
small person. Yeah. Like I was like, that doesn't, to me it was like <laughs> the laws of physics wouldn't even allow it. Yeah. Like yeah. I just was like, how is this? I remember just thinking the story was so weird. Like mm. I was like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. And in court, like she was super remorseful, like, and she just sat there with her hair in like these little half up, half down pony. And she'd wear like a gingham dress with her cute little belly. And she just looked like she baked cakes and cuddled kittens for a living. And she mm. um, just said how sorry she was and that she, um, you know, had done something unforgivable and her marriage had been terrible and she'd been depressed. And she said all the right things that made people feel mm. quite sorry for her, mm. even to the point where like the rhetoric surrounding it was, well, maybe he seduced her mm. and she got caught up in it because her husband was so awful and mm. she just wanted to feel loved. Mm. Um, during the trial, she gives birth to the baby, a little girl called Audrey, and it's quite clearly Billy's baby uh -huh. because it, it looks half Samoan. Mm -hmm. And a few weeks later, she's found guilty of child rape and sentenced to seven and a half years in prison. Mm -hmm. Um, that was of like a possible 25. So she got a pretty low sentence anyway. Mm -hmm. But she pleads for leniency. Um, there's footage of it. You can find it on YouTube. She's crying and she's saying to the judge, please help me. Please help me. Like I've got children and I'm sorry and I just had this baby and blah, blah, blah. And I think because of a lot of the reasons we just talked about and also you know, I mean, we're seeing in the climate recently, like how justice is very different for white people and people of color and people of means and everything. Um, the judge listens to her plea and decides to suspend seven years of the seven and a half year sentence. So she only has to spend six months in jail. No way. And a suspended sentence means you're on probation for the whole seven and a half years. Mm -hmm. So if you do anything wrong, you have to go back to prison and do the full sentence. Uh -huh. um, part of her probation is registering as a sex offender and having absolutely no contact with Vili Falau. Mm -hmm. She's also not allowed to be alone with her own children ever. Mm -hmm. And by this point, Steve has moved to Alaska. He mm -hmm. just took the kids and left. Mm -hmm. And she, she apparently just didn't even, they weren't even on her radar anymore. Mm -hmm. She was like Vili and new baby. Mm -hmm. She gets out of prison after four months because of good behavior. So she serves four months of a seven and a half year sentence for child rape. Wow. Two weeks later, she is busted by police in a car with Billy. No. <laughs> yes. Oh. oh. Yeah. There's also money in the car, about $6,000. There's uh, her passport. She has wigs. It looks like they're planning on running away together. Uh-huh. Wigs. <laughs> she is hauled back before the judge who is pissed because the judge is like, I listened to your sob story and mm. I gave you leniency and what the F. And the judge says, like, this is not a case of like unfair laws or, you know, the court not being... Um, up to date with modern relationships because mm. that's kind of how she wanted to spin it. The judge was like, this is a case of you squandering a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Like, no sex offender ever gets the deal you got and mm. the only reason you got it is because of, you know, all these reasons and you're, you're a pervy idiot. Mm. So the judge is like, back to jail. Mm -hmm. um, so she has to go and serve the full seven years because mm -hmm. she'd already served technically the six, the half a year. Yeah. 
Um, that was in a courtroom. Like there was 200 reporters in there. It was just everywhere. And she's mm. crying and like she can't believe it. And there's interviews with her lawyer on the um, Scandal Made Me Famous episode I watched and he was like, she just didn't seem to get it. Like she thought that she could just, once she'd done her little six months in jail, her and Billy could get married and move in together and raise a family and she just didn't. And whenever I would say, you will go back to prison, she would laugh and go, no, I won't. Like they'll never send me to prison. Mm. Like I'm a skinny little white lady. No one will send me to prison. So he said she just didn't seem to have any concept that she could actually get in trouble. Mm. So, yeah, she gets sent back to prison straight away and twist at some point in those two weeks, which indicates they weren't only together Don't. at that one time in the car, Don't. she got pregnant no. again. <laughs> so nine months later, she gives birth to their second daughter in jail. Oh. Um, both the girls are in the custody of Billy's mother, mm-hmm. who, as if she needs more kids to take care of. Yeah. And also, what an awful, selfish, abusive thing to do to not only have this abusive uh, situation with this 12-year-old kid, but then to force him to have two of your babies. Mm. Like, this is now, like, I think he's, like, 14 by this point and he has two kids yeah. with a 40-year-old woman. You have made a life decision for a child yes. who is not yours. Yes. Yeah. I read this book called If Loving You Is Wrong, which is sort of like the uh, book that was written about the case at the time, and they say that she had, like, symptoms of just narcissistic personality disorder and just Mm. just so caught up in her own universe and Mm. what worked for her and what she cared about and what mattered. Like, not her own kids Mm. (laughs) because they were gone and she didn't seem to care. So she does her prison stint. She is put into solitary confinement for six months as a punishment because when she gives birth to the second daughter, she um, has to, they let her send breast milk to Vili's mother so mm-hmm. she, they can give the baby. So she pumps in prison and then sends the bottles to Vili's mother and she is sneaking little love notes inside the bottles to Vili mm-hmm. and the prison guards find them. Mm-hmm. And so she's put into solitary confinement for six months as punishment. Mm-hmm. Vili Flower and Mary Kay co-author, and I use that term very loosely, <laughs> a book together while she's in prison. It's mainly written by a ghostwriter who mm. interviews Billy and interviews her. Mm. It's published in France mm. because who else no would publish else it? No one to touch it. It's called Un, Un seul crime, crime l'amour, which means only one crime, love. <laughs> oh, God. It's not published in the US. <laughs> France is the only place that ever publishes that book. Uh, while she's in prison, she's diagnosed with bipolar, which she and her team try to then use as an excuse. Like mm. she would make these decisions while she was manic. And it's like, yes, when you're bipolar and you're in a point of mania, you do, you know, irrational, crazy things, but also you wouldn't abuse a child unless there was already something in you that made you think it was okay to mm. abuse a child. Mm. Like, because otherwise everyone with bipolar would be running around. You know, it's Mm. just, that's a a ridiculous excuse. She finishes her prison sentence in 2004. Later that year, after he turns 21, Vili Falau goes to court and petitions to have the no contact order between them rescinded. Mm. And by that point, the court is just like, ah, F you guys, whatever. We're not spending any more money on you. Fine. Mm -hmm. Yes. Do what you want. Mm -hmm. 
And so he's 21. She's, I think, 40, late 40s at that point. Mm -hmm. And they get married. Mm. So in 2005, a year after she got out of prison and he managed to get the no contact order lifted, they get married. Um, With custody of the kids? Their two daughters, yes. Right. They become this really weird media sort of presence. Mm. Um, You know, when they got married, it was on the covers of all the magazines, like, we told you so, like, um, like, we proved you all wrong. Mm. And um, they sort of pop up now and again doing interviews over the years. I think they're struggling for money. He wants to be a DJ Mm. because he's still in his early 20s, like, And so they start doing themed DJ nights called Hot for Teacher where he DJs and she's there signing autographs and people pay to go. So that's how they make money for a while. Yeah. People paid to get an autograph from a rapist, a convicted rapist. Um, So they were making money doing that for a while. Um, They got, uh, then they popped up and did that interview with Barbara Walters. I think it was like, Maybe it was like the 10-year anniversary of her getting out of prison or something. I can't remember. And that was when I was incensed and furious and I mm. wrote that article about like... And even in the Mamma Mia office, there were like old women of the older generation there mm. who were, you know, adults at the time it happened were like, oh, but I don't know. Like, it seemed consensual. And I was like, no, it cannot be consensual mm. when it's with a child. Mm-hmm. I think there was just something about the climate at the time and the way people were talking about it in the media, that people who remember living through it and reading about it and it being a huge part of the news cycle are like, oh, but didn't you, didn't you want it? Like, isn't that, weren't they in love? Mm. It's like, no, Mm. no. And if it was a 35-year-old man and a 12-year-old girl, you'd be outraged. But even still, back then, people were making excuses for male rapists as well. Yeah. And, you know, asking questions oh, like, well, they what still was do. she wearing? Oh, they or still she do. Asking, but even to a greater extent back <laughs> yeah. then. So um, in terms of how heinous the crime was, it was considered more acceptable back then than it is today. It was only the mid-90s. Like, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> I'm not saying it's yeah. right. Anyway, but. Uh, so then, yeah, there was that interview with Barbara Walters, which is on YouTube, and it just makes me furious. Then they, he, Vili Filao started divorce proceedings in 2017, but then a few months later, he took it back. Mm. And right now, they're just still together, um, still I scraping money together, doing random appearances. Mm. I tried to look up what they each do for a living. I couldn't find anything. Mm. So I don't know. Their children now are like older. And it's weird watching the Barbara Walters interview with the daughter, like the first daughter, Audrey, like talking about how she feels about, I mean, to them, it's just their parents who are in love. Mm. So it's very strange, but they're still together. And it was, and I sort of hadn't thought about it since I wrote that column about it a few years ago um, until I watched this Scandal Made Me Famous episode the other day. And I was like, that story is whack. No kidding. So that's that. Yeah. Um, I mean, she definitely doesn't sound like she is mentally healthy. No. Um, there's all kinds of indicators in that story that point to that. Um, it's, oh, Quite it's, a tale. I don't think the fact they're still together negates that it was abuse. I think, like, 
I think he got trapped into a life mm-hmm. and he was groomed and seduced. I think the fact that he was so, he, I mean, that's substantial abuse at a very young age mm-hmm. and he'd still be suffering from the effects of that abuse. And he is living with the woman who abused him. So he is, mm-hmm. I can't imagine the, I mean, I'm in no position to comment, but the mm-hmm. psychiatric stuff behind that situation is messed up. Absolutely. She made him a father at 13. Yeah. Yeah. Whore. And here was me thinking I was going to feel more comfortable once I could <laughs> sit back and just listen to the story. Oh, it just makes me furious. Yeah. It's not, it just makes me furious. It's just, it is a clear case of child sexual abuse that is celebrated as like a story of star-crossed lovers who mm. made it in the end against all odds. Does anyone no. buy that? Barbara Walters did. You that should watch the take. interview. That's why I wrote a column. That's why it made me so furious. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm keen to watch that. Yeah. So, yeah, we give you just the gist. But if you want to know more, watch the Barbara Walters interview. Just Google it on YouTube. Mm. Um, I read, well, I listened to the audiobook If Loving You Is Wrong by Greg Olson. Um, it was written back when it happened. So mm. it sort of ends. I think she'd, uh, she'd, was in prison. She was serving her mm-hmm. seven-year prison sentence when it was written. Um, and then uh, People Magazine Presents Scandal Made Me Famous, which is on that new streaming service, Binge. Uh-huh. Um, so go and watch that. It's cheese. They've got cheesy reenactments. It's just, it's one of those shows. But it does break down the story mm-hmm. really well. And it has actual footage from the courtroom and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, there's so, cause it was a huge story. There's so much about it online. If mm. you want to go down a rabbit hole and get furious about it. Do you have any idea what they're doing for money these days? No, I don't know. Because when I read about the club appearances and stuff, that was about 10 years ago. Like mm-hmm. when, so I'm not sure now. That is not a sustainable business model. That's why I tried career. to look up what they're both doing for a living and I couldn't find anything recent. Mm. I could really only find stuff from around the time of the Barbara Walters interview. And then there was like a little news story in 2017 when he filed for divorce, but then he took it back and they didn't say anything about it. Mm. So I don't know. Mm. Wow. And their two daughters uh, in our generation, they'd be millennials. (laughs) They're like what, at uni now probably? Like they're in their early 20s? That makes me feel really old. Mm. And who knows what happened to her other children? She probably doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> like they, their dad was just like, I'm getting you out of here. Mm. And off they went. So, I mean, we say that we give you cool stuff to tell at a dinner party, but so often I go at the end, well, if you really want to bring down a dinner <laughs> <Yes>. party. <laughs> Statutory rape rarely comes up. Um, so I can't say for a fact that it would bring down the mood. But look, I do think that this is the kind of thing people remember. They're like, oh, yeah, Mary Kay Latorno. Like it's it's one of those names that gets joked about on SNL and it, whatever. Um, there was a storyline on 30 Rock that, uh, was meant to reflect it between mm. Susan Sarandon and um, Frank, remember? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, and it was like crazy because every two seconds, Tina Fey would be like, you su- you know, you were his teacher and you seduced him. Mm. You're an abuser. And she'd be like, no, we're in love. And Tina would be like, no, no, you were his teacher. <laughs> and you, but anyway, um, but I think it is, if you tell people the story of what actually happened, it blows their minds because they're like, what? Mm. Like, what? Mm. And the media was saying, what? Mm. Especially today where we, I think, take a much much harder stance, particularly on stuff with children, whether they're boys or girls. Like, mm. it's 
So, yeah, it may not uh, make people laugh at a dinner party, but it'll get them chatting. (laughs) (laughs) It'll get those lips a flapping. Yeah. Mm. Not so story. I know. Gross. Mm -hmm. Disgusting. (laughs) Do you have a palate cleanser to end on? Gosh. Um... Um, oh, a lot of people wrote to me and said, thank you so much for recommending the Jessica Simpson episodes of You're Wrong About. Yes. And everyone's obsessed with Jessica Simpson now. They want to mm-hmm. read that whole book. They mm-hmm. want to find out all about her. Plus, mm-hmm. they've listened to the other You're Wrong About episodes, which are also amazing. So, obsesso. Excellent. Love her. Way to end on the high. I know. Had a girl. Love Jessica. Um, cool. All right. Well, that's that. That's it. Till next you. week. Mwah. Mwah. Mwah.